magic trick has three acts, and we believe the story of Easter has three acts as well. This Easter season, we are so excited to invite you to a series we are calling The Greatest Show on Earth. Our team has been working to create a three-part journey that begins at Palm Sunday, laying out the story of Jesus' entry to the city of Jerusalem as just an ordinary man on a donkey to his extraordinary act of love on Good Friday. Everything culminates on Easter Sunday as we celebrate Jesus raising from the dead in the most amazing, death-defying act in all of history. A magician knows the secret behind the illusion, but with the story of Jesus, there is no illusion. We believe that this amazing story is all actually real. Join us as we reveal the hidden secrets to this story and see for ourselves the miraculous gift that is offered to each of us through the greatest show on earth. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Kensington Church. We're so glad you're here today. My name's Bill, and I want to welcome you out today uh, to a wonderful church service we have. Hey, just heads up today, we are two weeks from Easter. Two weeks from today is Easter Sunday. I know it's 55 and sunny outside today. Uh, We are really excited for this. And like Dave just talked about, we want you to be invested at Easter here at Kensington. And so when we think about it, we think about our Good Friday, our seven o'clock service, or our four and six o'clock service on Saturday, or the nine and 11 on Sunday. And there's so many ways for you to get involved. One is just to be here. It's to look around your circles of influence and go, man, who can I invite? Who can I bring with me to our church services? at Easter. We know that people are more receptive to an invite around Christmas or Easter. And what a great time to invite and invest in somebody in your circle of influence. Another way you can be with us at Easter is serving. Uh, this is one of our biggest Sundays of the year. And whether it's in guest services, welcoming people in as they walk in our doors or in our K-Kids hallways, loving on our children uh, down there with some great programming, we would love for you to be a part of Easter here at Kensington. So get your tickets, get your invites ready. Two weeks from today, uh, be here for that weekend. It's going to be a great time. As we lead up to Easter, uh, another great event coming up on our calendar is our annual Easter egg hunt. Now, we have the opportunity to help the city of Beverly Hills with their Easter egg hunt next Saturday, March 24th. Now, this is awesome. This is not just 10,000 eggs stuffed with candy. Uh, It's going to be an amazing event that where we serve our local community, show them the love of Christ, show them that we care about them, that we care about Berkeley, that we care about Beverly Hills and Birmingham and Bloomfield. But it's also a great way to let them know what we're doing for Easter. And so we invite you out to that. Uh, If you don't have small children and you're like, hey, love the Easter egg hunt, I don't have kids, uh, come and serve with us. There's going to be face painting. There's going to be inflatables. There's going to be lots of fun things for people to do. But we want you to be at that Easter egg hunt coming up uh, in a few weeks. And hopefully we have weather just like today. That would be the goal next Saturday for that. So those are a few things going on. Next thing that I'm really excited about is baptism. Man, April 15th, we have a phenomenal baptism service here at Groves High School. Maybe you're unfamiliar with baptism, or maybe you've heard a little bit about it, but I'd love to share just a story with you about the impact of baptism on one of our friends' lives. In 2000, I had a transformative encounter with Jesus Christ, so much so that I came home from that Easter service, looked at my wife, and I said, the man that left today is not the man that stands in front of you. And it began this journey with Jesus. In fact, it was about a three or four year journey. And friends of mine used to say, hey, you you need to get baptized. You need to get baptized. But I felt like God was saying, no, wait, wait for your wife. 
And in 2004, my wife came to me and I said, hey, you know that baptism thing? I want to do that with you. And we got baptized that summer. It was a beautiful ceremony out in Stony Creek. When we were coming home, my wife said to me, you know what? When we were coming out of the water, I felt like God gave me a vision. Now, if you know my wife, Amy, that's not how she speaks at all. And I said, oh, tell me what this vision is. And she said, you know when you're on a roller coaster and you get, you're in the seat and all of a sudden you start going up that hill, chink, 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 and you start moving up that hill to go to the crest of the hill. She goes, that's the vision I had. And then I felt like God said to me, buckle up. You're about to go on the ride of your life. And that statement was one of the most true statements we had ever heard. Over the last 14 years, Amy and I have been on the ride of our life with Christ. And Kensington is holding their baptism service on April 14th and 15th. And if you're that person that feels like God is tugging you to him, then we're inviting you to be baptized. There's nothing magical in the water. But as you go down into the water, it washes your old self away. And as you come up, it's symbolic of God making you into a new creation. It's your public declaration of an inward reality. So come be with us. Come get baptized. And I know that you're going to have to buckle up and get ready for the ride of your life. Come join us. Baptism is one of the the greatest service we have here because not only do we have the privilege of baptizing people, but we also get to hear their story. They usually share uh, what God's done in their life and how he's transformed their life. And it's just a great community moment. And so whether you're new to your faith, uh, whether you are an elementary school student or middle school student that's like, man, I think that time is right for me, or whether you're an adult that maybe has been holding out for a while and you hear Jesus speaking to you, we'd love to have you invested at baptism here. So you can talk to any of us on staff. You can talk to Starting Point. You can go online at kensingtonchurch.org slash baptism, but we'd love to see you here on April 20, April 15th uh, for our baptism service. Last thing today, hey, how many of you have heard of Hope Water Project? A few of you? Yep, some hands like, don't ask me, I'm not running, I'm not doing it. I get it. I get it. Hey, Hope Water is kicking off again this year, uh, next Saturday at the Troy campus at 9 a.m. And there's a few misconceptions about the Hope Water Project. Uh, some people out there think we're, we are like asking you to run like an 18-hour ultra marathon. Not true yet. Um, some of you out there are like, man, I, I could not run. I don't have the time on my schedule. Hey, that's okay. There's marathon options. There's half marathon options. There's 5K options. There's all of that in between. And really the goal of Hope Water is not to make you into an ultra marathon triathlete. It is to get you in community with other people around a great cause of raising money to help our Pokot tribe in Kenya uh, with clean water. And that's what it is. So whether it's you bringing somebody from work or whether it's you trying something you've never done before, the goal with Hope Water is to connect you with other people towards that common goal. And so next Saturday, whether you want to run or whether you want to bike or whether you're a triathlete or whether you're like, uh, I like to walk. Hey, awesome. We want all of you at the kickoff. Whether you want to volunteer at the runs, it doesn't matter. We'd love to see you involved in Hope Water this year. So come out to our uh, informational meeting, our kickoff meeting, our big rally going on next Saturday, uh, March 24th at the Troy campus. Hey, what we're going to do now is we're going to take a minute. I'm going to have you in a moment stand up and connect with those around you. But there's two specific questions I want you to ask. Number one is the question you're going to ask each other is how late did you stay up last night watching Michigan win? Wait, that gave away my second question. Who are you cheering for today? Hey, why don't you stand up, connect with those around you, and we'll be back in a moment.
Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And so we have people that are launching new initiatives, new dreams all the time. The beauty of life is when you can say, we did this together. That's what I want. As a church family, we can fuel incredible mission and ministry here and around the world. I think the best is yet to come. Hey everybody, it's good to see you today. I hope you're all doing well on this beautiful day. I know many of you are excited for some basketball to happen this afternoon. Uh, We'll see what's going on here. I'm actually going to get down to Little Caesars Arena to watch Syracuse take on this other team from Lansing. So I've got my Syracuse. I almost came out wearing my Syracuse orange track jacket just to mess with everybody here. But uh, we'll see. Can't really lose. I mean, if they lose by 20, everyone expects it. And if they win, wow, Cinderella time. Anyway, uh, I'm sore today. I went roller skating yesterday for the first time since 1993, (laughs) literally. Uh, And, you know, that probably sounds like a long time ago to you. The sad part is that doesn't feel like that long ago to me, even though it was. And my little girls uh, wanted to go. They missed the roller skating birthday party while we were out of town. And so I said, so Angela, my wife said that she would take them. And I won't say how it happened, but I ended up there with them without her. And uh, I got to the counter to pay your money to get skates. And I had all the intentions of sitting on the sideline and cheering them on. And I was like, girls, do you want me to skate with you? They're like, yes, daddy, please. I was like, all right, fine. So I put on, and I don't have the guts for the inline ones. You know what I mean? Like I just had to go old school, old school, uh, all four. So yeah, a couple moves happened. I could feel some things pulling. So I'm a little, I'm a little ginger today. A little bit sore, but um, just got back from Israel last Sunday, and I was up here with you last Sunday for a little bit. If I made sense with anything that I was saying, that is a miracle, because I was running on about two hours of sleep and a full tank of jet lag. I just got back from Israel uh, with several of our guys here. We had an incredible trip, but one of the things we, we dove into on the trip was a verse that's really become, if it's not my life verse, it's top three, and the verse is Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This idea that there's a God, there's an author, there's a craftsman who is literally shaping our lives. From even before we were born, through our lives, the good and the bad, the talents and the treasures, all the things about our lives have been crafted not just, uh, we've not just been saved from something. We think sometimes about our salvation as being like, wow. God saved me from this life apart from him. God saved me from the fires of hell. God saved me from this loneliness away from him. But this verse tells us that God saved us for something. There's something that he has for us to do. And so we talked about this verse a lot on the trip. And it just enabled us to live with our eyes wide open. And look for moments. Look for opportunities. Look for things that would happen. And so to commemorate what I'm going to talk to you about next is the idea, we discovered something uh, when we were hiking down Mount Arbel, which is a very intimidating mountain, rock face, uh, very hard to to navigate. And uh, and so I wore pants like these. 
Uh, I know it's a fashion faux pas to wear any clothing that zips away on a stage in church, um, but uh, I, wore, I wore these, uh, and I didn't tell you I was going to do this, babe. This all happened after you went to sleep. I had this great idea, and then I just kept it quiet so you wouldn't uh, weigh in on the fashion police violation here. Uh, so these, these pants uh, are designed... To some of you have pairs, maybe you're wearing a pair, I'm sorry, in advance, if you're wearing these and you think they're cool, because they're really not. But they're functional, they're functional. So this bottom part zips off, you know, so when it's like super hot, you know, you've got these sort of inappropriately short shorts, for me anyway. I just like the, I like the shorts to be like culottes, you know, like very low. Um, Kind of the Fab Five era, you know. Um, But, and then these are the shoes that I wore, still covered with the dust of the Holy Lands. I've not cleaned them off, these are game used shoes. Uh, that hiked and climbed. But it's interesting because one of the things we discovered was that when we climbed down Mount Arbel is that they have preserved the pathway that those who walked even before Jesus' time would have taken at these famous sites, geographic sites in the Holy Lands. And so when we were climbing down Mount Arbel, we saw something like this. And this picture shows... That little squiggle there in the bottom left corner, you see that? I'm kind of in your way over here. Sorry, guys. Uh, Down there, that little marker indicates what's called the ancient path. The ancient path. And this has been preserved. So you can see Mount Arbel, like there's hooks and ladders and all kinds of craziness involved with this climb. So it's definitely, you know, for for someone like me that prefers to watch others mountain climb from the safety of my couch, this is a big moment. Um, so, so that's, so it's the ancient path and there's scriptural evidence of the ancient path. It's in Jeremiah six, verse 16. It says stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it. And there you'll find rest for your souls. So it's talking about this crossroads that we face and there's two directions you can go. You can choose to take the ancient path, the one that others have walked before you. Some people even call the ancient path in this area, the Jesus trail. Now, how cool is that? If you're a hiker, Put that on your bucket list. You can actually hike this like 60-some mile Jesus trail. It's pretty amazing. I know. You're like, I'm in. Um, I will cheer you on from my couch. Uh, anyway, um, so stand at the crossroads and look. And, and so what we've discovered was you've got the ancient path with hooks and ladders and all this stuff. But then you also have this other side of the mountain that's been paved. Where large buses with air conditioning and Wi-Fi just sort of snake their way up. And get you to the same location. I learned this at Mount Carmel 10 years ago when I was going up this steep rock face, grabbing all these trees and scratching and bleeding and all this other stuff. And I got to the top and I'm like, oh, you know, I was, it was 120 degrees. So I need some, I need some like credit for this. And I got to the top and I'm like, just, you know, dumping out the water on me. And, and I was like, what were those little squiggly paint lines that were all over the mountain? Every time I got tired, I saw them. Was explaining me that was the ancient path. That's the path Elijah took when he had his moment on Mount Carmel. They've preserved that. And this meant something to me because as we're standing there, this whole group of elderly people, older people, came walking over without a scratch, completely chilled out, cool, holding their little battery-powered fans, walking across to the same spot. I'm like, all right, there's something I'm missing here. Either they're in great shape and just floated up here, or there's some other route. It's amazing to think that the ancient path is something we can choose. It's the path of those who walked before us. It's, Jesus references it later as the narrow road versus the wide road. And sometimes the ancient path looks like this. This staircase that just sort of appears on the side of a mountain. 
And it's like, rest for your souls. And other times, the ancient path looks like this. Going straight up. Uh, See the little markings there? That's telling you, keep going. And I notice how close they are in the most intense moments. Right? Other times, you'll see one, and then you'll go away, and you'll see another one. Here, it's like, almost on every other rock. Like, keep on going, Cliff. I know you're super tired. Um, it's, It's speaking to me. So this is the ancient path. And what's humbling to think about the ancient path is to think about Jesus walked that trail, the disciples would have walked that trail, and now it's been preserved for us to take that same journey. And when I think about the disciples, and I look back at what Jesus did and how he chose them, it's amazing to think that he chose 12 young men, most of them teenagers, Peter over the age of 20, We know that because of a passage in the book of Matthew about Jesus being confronted by the Pharisees about why he and his group isn't paying the temple tax. And so Jesus sends Peter to catch a fish, and the fish has just enough money in it for both Peter and Jesus to pay their temple tax. Yet all the disciples were standing there, and yet this seemed to calm down the Pharisees. So why would it be okay if they were upset that only Jesus and Peter pay the temple tax and the rest of the disciples don't? Well, if you understand, the rabbinic law of that day was that only those over the age of 20 owed a temple tax. And so based on that passage of scripture and the cultural understandings of the time, 11 out of the 12 disciples under the age of 20. So just let that mess with your mental images for a minute. All the movies where these guys look like they're all 50 with giant beards, you know, like this is take it now and put it right here, right here, our student ministry. That's who changed the world. It's a beautiful thought. So I look at Peter from that group. So Peter's over the age of 20. We know that because of the temple tax passage and because later we find out he has a mother-in-law and you would not choose a mother-in-law unless you were married. Now, sweetie, I love your mom. She's not here, is she? Okay, I love her to death. She's incredible. Um, I said it in the first service and I'm saying it now consistently. Uh, but Peter had a mother-in-law and, uh, and so we know Peter's a little bit older and Peter had a kind of a leadership role amongst the disciples We know he was a fisherman from the town of Capernaum, and as were several other of the disciples, he kind of had a leadership position among them. He was the one who spoke first. He had big moments, great moments, where he declared, you are the Christ, the son of the living God at Caesarea Philippi. And then he had low moments, really sort of capped off by his moment where Jesus, during the Last Supper, told Peter, hey, tonight, before the rooster crows three times, you will have denied me three times. Before the rooster crows once, you'll deny me three times. Peter says, no, never, Lord. This is not, I'll never do this. I'll never abandon you. And yet that night, Peter denied Jesus three times. When Peter had his moment, he missed it. He failed miserably. And he went back crushed and hurting. And yet Jesus pursued Peter. Jesus found Peter back to fishing. In fact, Peter was so broken by his failure. He went back to fishing. I mean, he, went, he, he, he had cursed Jesus publicly in a way that severed his ties with his rabbi that he was following. That's how important it was to not do that. Jesus finds Peter. He restores Peter. He forgives Peter. And he inspires Peter to lead once again. And so now Peter is sitting with the disciples in the upper room. And they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. Because Jesus said, but you'll receive power in Acts 1.8 when my spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. And so they're praying as a group of 12 plus a few others. And the spirit of God falls in the day of Pentecost in an incredible moment when there would have been over a quarter of a million to half a million 
observant Jews from around the world packed in Jerusalem. And they hear the disciples, mostly teenagers, many from Galilee, speaking in foreign tongues that they had no business knowing. And so Syrian Jews are hearing their language. Egyptian Jews are hearing their language. And they're gathering around going, what is happening? And someone said, they're drunk. This is crazy. And Peter said, it's nine in the morning. We're not drunk. It's not St. Patrick's Day. No, he didn't say that. Although relevant for this weekend, right? I worked on that all night. No. He says, no, it's nine in the morning. We're not drunk. And then Peter stood up. Here's what I love. The second time Peter had his moment, he could have just let that drunk comment trump his moment. He could have just said, you know what? Yeah, you're right. We're drunk. See you later. We're having a powerful moment here. Close the windows. Instead, Peter, it says in Acts 2, Peter stood up with the 11, stepped into his moment that God had created for him, and he delivered the message that changed human history. This is Peter. So 30 years after that moment, Peter is writing a book to the, to the Christians that are scattered around the Roman Empire who are trying to follow Jesus, trying to follow this ancient path, even though they're being persecuted, even though they're suffering, and he, he wants to encourage them. In a powerful way. And so that's the background to this particular verse that we're going to focus on today. And a verse that's, for those of you with a church background, you've probably heard this verse in the context of apologetics or defending your faith or having an answer for people's questions. But what's beautiful about this is that there's a beginning to this verse and an end to this verse that get forgotten oftentimes. So we're going to walk through the entire verse today. And here it is. 1 Peter 3, 15. It says, but in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So many of us have heard this middle section. Always be prepared to give an answer. Even half the middle section. And that sort of has given rise to this defending your faith movement, which is awesome and it's important. But if you look at the verse in its entirety, Peter's creating sort of a situation here with the first part of the verse. That sets up the middle and then we're guided by the last part. Because Peter starts by saying, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Remember, these are Christians now who are following Jesus during the time of the Roman Empire being spread out. And when Caesar Augustus was the first, was with the first Caesar to really get this idea of worship of the emperor. Where they believed that when you became Caesar, you as a man then became divine. And so the journey was all about going from man to becoming God, and then everyone was beneath you. And so phrases like our Lord and Savior were ascribed to Caesar. Our Lord and Savior, Caesar Augustus. Doesn't that sound funny to hear it now? And so the writers of the New Testament took those phrases, and instead of saying our Lord and Savior, Caesar Augustus, they said our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ, we believe, was God who became a man to serve and to love and to give his life for mankind, humbled himself. It's a beautiful picture. So you look at this and it says, but in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Set apart Christ as Lord. So when we hear hearts, sometimes we just think sort of the emotional, fuzzy, warm feelings. Oh, well, it just means love Jesus in your heart. That's great. But when we really dive into what heart is referring to here, and if we're honest with how important our hearts are now, our hearts are really the seat of our intellect, emotions, and will. Our heart is really what's calling the shots with our lives because our heart is the experiential part of our lives. Just to illustrate, how many of us have said the following phrase, I knew 
what I should do. I knew better, and yet I did it anyway. The heart wants what the heart wants. The heart wins. In the battle between head and heart, the heart wins almost every single time. So it says, set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. What it's saying is giving him our allegiance. And and when it says the word Lord there, it's also referring to the idea of king. King of our lives. So this is the idea. If we set apart Christ as Lord, then there's a king and a kingdom that we are living for that's different than the king and the kingdom that we see around us. It's living like Jesus Christ is our king. And here's what I love for Peter, for Peter, he has a moment here. So remember at the day of Pentecost that I just talked about where Peter stands with the 11 and he delivers the message that changed human history. Here is the description of how that church on the day that Peter spoke that message, it says that 3000 people from that group were cut to the heart, repented, were baptized and started the church that has led us to today. But here's what the church looked like in Acts 2.42. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's interesting there because here's a description of what happened that day. And you want to talk about a way of living that's different. A way of living with Jesus Christ set apart as Lord, as king of a different kingdom. You read through that list, you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're telling the, that, that people met together every day to learn more. You're telling me people loved each other. The word fellowship there means to carry each other's burdens. It's loving each other enough to care about what's going on with each other. And it says that, that no one was in need and want because if someone needed something, they would sell what they had and give to everyone. And that God was working wonders among them and that every day more and more people were being saved. Here's what I love about that. This is describing the movement of Jesus Christ in terms that are still true to this day. Because the movement of Jesus Christ has always been known by radical service, radical love, and radical generosity. Radical service, humbling ourselves to serve and to love people just like Jesus did. Radical Love, unconditionally loving those who maybe don't even deserve it with how they've been treating us and radical generosity. In fact, you look at this and you think about what Jesus told his disciples. Think about they were, they were living under Roman oppression and persecution. So you want to talk about radical love. How about when Jesus says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. He's specifically saying, hey, listen, these Roman soldiers are going to mistreat you and hurt you. But if you live this way, if you love them and pray for them, instead of hating them and despising them, if you set apart Christ as Lord, something is going to happen. Something is going to happen. When you live that way with Jesus as your king, Be ready because people are going to ask you questions. That way of living leads to a question being asked. 
We're actually going to watch a video in a moment of a man who's living this way. He's living in such a way with his business, living in such a way with his life, living in such a way with radical generosity that it's causing people to ask him questions about why he's doing this. And it's giving him an incredible opportunity and a moment to step into it and share the difference that Jesus Christ has made in his life. As we watch this video, I want to invite our ushers to come down and receive our morning offering. And this is a time where we give back to the one who's given everything to us. We believe that God has shown us incredible generosity in giving us all that we need. And if you're visiting today, you've picked an amazing day to be here. You really have. And so we're so glad that you're here, but you're our guest. So please allow this uh, to just be a no pressure moment for you. But if you consider yourself part of Kensington and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then let's worship God through our giving with generosity. And now let's watch this incredible story of a man who is driven to live with Jesus Christ as king. Morning, boys. David, how you doing? My favorite thing about Wolverine Harley-Davidson is the people I interact with on a daily basis. My customers, my employees, their family. They've made this store and me the success that, that we are today. Danny. How you doing, buddy? How's it going? Good. Anything I can help you with? Oh, I think we got a cover. Okay. Awesome. Have a great day, man. Harley Davidson, it's a legend, it's an American icon, it's one of the most recognizable logos in business. It's a giving company, it really, really encourages dealers to take care of their community, to embrace generosity and engage in, in activities to, to help the community. That's why we're excited to partner with Kensington Church. Well, the, the, my first interaction with Kensington was at uh, one of my biggest charity events. You know, there's thousands of people here. There's uh, five, six, seven hundred motorcycles that, that depart from here. It's, uh, it's for veterans. And during uh, this very busy time, this gentleman approaches me from the crowd and he introduced me as the pastor of the upcoming Kensington Church. He took 10 minutes of my time to express their need and their mission. And he informed us that you guys needed some of our property to successfully finish your driveway that leads this quarter mile that goes back to your church. My partner very graciously had said, yeah, absolutely, give it to them. We love the fact that we did it. And ever since, it's just been magical. I've received more support from, from, from the church than, than that piece of property is worth. around ideas, trying to figure out things to do to maximize what we could do for the church. I agreed to donate a motorcycle for a giveaway, a beautiful 2017 Softail Deluxe. 
It's one of my favorites. It's six-speed. It's fully, fully loaded. Just an absolutely gorgeous bike. That motorcycle will raise funds, for example, buy chairs, okay, buy chairs for the church, and hopefully in one of those chairs, one young person will sit, and it will not only change their life, but probably change the life of friends and maybe even their whole family tree. In my opinion, one of the most important things we can do is support our, our church support, their encouragement. You can go into church anytime you want. It's free of charge, okay? I know Kensington will give you free coffee. They'll give you free literature. They'll love you, okay? Whether you have a dime or whether you don't. So how does a really successful businessman make such a bad business decision of giving his stuff away? I think that's why we're successful. I think that's what I've worked for all these years, to be a success, to be able to give back, to be able to help others. I mean, that's what I've worked for all my life. That gives me more pleasure than anything else, to be able to do something and help somebody. it there? Did you hear it at the end? Why would a successful businessman make such a poor business decision to give stuff away? But setting apart Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer for the reason for the hope you have. In other words, when you live like Jesus is your king and not the almighty dollar, questions are going to come. Why would you do that? In fact, those are your other business people right now sitting there going, wow, so he had a piece of property that a large church in the area really needed that's a great place to start your negotiation, isn't it? So I kind of got you over a barrel here a little bit. Let's start talking numbers. But that's not what they did, is it? They got excited about, wow, my goodness, we can help this church. And then, and then giving a motorcycle away. It's like this incredible. And then when he described it, when he said, why would you do this? I said, because this is why I do what I've done. This is why, like, this is what it's all about. This is why I work so hard in business, so that I can give back. For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for you to do. When he had his moment, they said, take the land, take the bike. This is our honor to be able to do this because it could reach one person with the gospel. And people will ask questions when we live that way, won't they? When they see you suffering. They see you going through a really hard time, whether it be financially or physically or otherwise. And someone walks up to you at your job and says, you know, I got to just ask you, like, I know you're going through a lot with your child being sick or, or with, with everything you've got going on in your life. How in the world do you have joy and peace? I just could see it on your face. Always be ready to give an answer for the reason for the hope you have. You can say, because in Jesus I have hope. Hope is never lost when I follow Jesus. What a beautiful opportunity. And so here, here's what I love. When, when Peter says what's next here in the verse, the next phrase, he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do you think there's any extra passion in this? When he looks back at his life and says, be ready for the question because I wasn't. Do you think he ever thinks back at that moment outside, warming his hands over that fire when he's asked, aren't you his disciple? Aren't you his disciple? I'm pretty sure you're his disciple. And he said, no, no, bleep, no. 
He called down curses and severed his relationship with Jesus and went back to fishing. Do you think there's passion when he's talking to them? Like, listen, when there's persecution in the air, when you see Jesus abducted, beaten up, and in a sham of a trial, getting ready to be crucified, and and there had to be violence in the air and, and fear and everything else Peter was feeling, that when that question came, he wasn't ready. He's saying, always be ready because the question's going to come. Don't be like me. For the reason, for the hope that you have. And, And here's what I love. The last part of this verse. Think about how many conversations this would change. But do this with gentleness and respect. Can you imagine if the trolls on Facebook and the horrific religious arguments that just break out on people's walls and you just kind of get pulled into because someone has tagged you, for goodness sakes, don't tag me in this stuff. And you're like, how do I get out of this? Unfriend, unblock, leave you, whatever, clean it up. It's because how much of that is missing? It's an argument about Jesus and somehow we're just doing the middle section. We're always prepared for an answer. But here's the problem. No one's asking you the question. We live differently. That leads people to ask us about our relationship with Jesus. What's different about you? But for so many of us, myself included during certain seasons, it's like I am so ready to give the answer and nobody cares because no one's asking the question. And when someone does ask the question, it says do this with gentleness and respect. Can you imagine this Peter is saying, when you tell this soldier that you love them and you're praying for them, be ready for the question. And then when you give the answer, deliver it with reverence, respect, gentleness, and love. That is how the movement of Jesus Christ topples empires. It's not through the might of the sword. It is through the humility of love. The Roman Empire is in ruins now. You travel around that part of the world, you see, you see beautiful buildings that are no longer in use. They're overrun with weeds and they've got tourist spots there. And yet the movement of Jesus Christ is thriving and moving beyond. Why? Because it's always characterized with radical service, radical love, and radical generosity. It's a beautiful picture. When we live with Jesus as our Lord, we live differently. A different king for a different kingdom. And our king served everyone. Our king loved everyone. And our king gave everything. He gave everything. It's this idea of radical service, that radical humility, radical love. And radical generosity. And when you look back, this truly is the ancient path for us. This is that moment that we look for and say, how are we supposed to act? What am I supposed to do? What's the next step I need to take? And we look up and we see those little markings. And we move forward and we take another step. We look to see, where did the disciples go? Where did the early church go? Where would Jesus lead us? What does it look like to... Set apart Jesus Christ as our king. What does it look like to operate in his kingdom? Radical service, radical love, radical generosity. And so today, and so today, this is our moment. And when we live this way, the world around us notices. And this is what it looks like to be the church. This is how we change the world.
one heart at a time. It's an incredible picture. Today we have a moment. This is the end of a three-week series we've done called Unstoppable Force. In the last two weeks, we've talked about this campaign called the Everyone Campaign. And we want to see everyone transformed and mobilized by Jesus. And so today we've come to a point where it's the day that we make our commitments. This is your moment. This is the moment where you look back and see, wow, God, you have created, shaped, and molded me to do good works, which you've prepared in advance for me to do, and this is my moment. You've entrusted this to me. You've given me these resources. I want to be a part of the movement of Jesus that is defined by radical generosity, radical love, and radical service. As we consider this, as you think about what that looks like for you, we want to show you a video right now. And this video is one in which you can see that because of the radical generosity of what it looks like for the people of Kensington to fund and to fuel the movement of Jesus Christ across this world, all the people you're going to see on here are now pursuing church planting or serving people all around the globe because of the generosity of you. Because we stepped into these moments and said, yes, God, I want to see people in San Francisco reach for the gospel through Clint and Michael Dupin. And guess what? They're already doing it. Every time we hear a conversation of someone that they met, that they've invited to church and that they've led to Christ and baptized, you know what's powerful? Is that they were sitting right here, Clint was standing right on the stage two years ago, leading you into this campaign. Isn't that an amazing thought to think that, that part of this campaign was to help fund their church plant, which is now reaching the people of that area. That's how the movement of Jesus Christ works. It's radical service, radical love, and radical generosity that leads us to reach the one. And when that moment arrives, they step into it, taking the next step on the ancient path that God has laid out for each one of us. Now, for some of us, we aren't going to move to across the country or across the world. But your moment is just as big for the movement of the kingdom of God. You stepping into your moment of generosity, service, and love is just as crucial to seeing that, that kid in Nepal rescued. To seeing that person in Kenya get fresh water. To seeing that church in Cuba preach the gospel. All of those moments happen because you and I step into our moment that God has created for us. So as we watch this, this video, as we see this story, be encouraged to see that Kensington, by God's grace, has been and always will be a movement of Jesus Christ that wants to advance. We do not want to become an institution that's inward focused. We want to constantly send people out to keep going to the ends of the earth to bring the gospel to all people, all nations, in all places. Let's watch this together and be encouraged. Hey, what's going on, Kensington? I'm Clint. And I am Michael, and we are at Easttown Church. It's Vince Antonucci from Verve Church in Las Vegas. This is Dave Kubiak from Antioch Church in St. Clair Shores. Hey, Kensington, this is Dave Nelson out in K2 the Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Travis here with Miles City Church in Livonia, Michigan. Hey, this is John and Catherine Evans from Renovation Church in Oviedo, Florida. This is Colin and Liz Harfield. We moved out to the greater Boston area back in August with a view to planting Anthem Church later this fall. I'm Julius Moore. Gordon, uh, the director of Home Harvesters International. This is Jaya from India. This is Ramesh Sapkota. I'm from Nepal. 
It's been nearly 10 years since you sent Chris and me and a group of others out to New York City to plant a church called Communitas. I want to thank you because you have been a part of what we've been doing since the very beginning. You guys uh, supported us financially with your prayers, sent mission teams, and we are here today because of you. Last week I had the opportunity to meet a reporter and it was his first time ever in church. And uh, he said, I just want to let you know, I'm going to come back next Sunday because I can't wait to learn more. The first person we saw come to Christ was a pimp and we have seen prostitutes and uh, gang members and you name it, Satan and you guys are part of every single one of those lives that have been changed. We are already gathering a group of people, about 20 to 30 people that have been gathering on a regular basis. In just a few short months, we're already seeing over 100 people gathering weekly. You know, over 1,000 people are going to show up today, and that's been the case for years here. We have been fighting against human trafficking and rescuing the girls who've been taken from the country of Nepal. And so we just want to say thank you again for all that you have done, all the sacrifices that you have made uh, to make this possible. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you. Thank you for your incredible support. Just know that what you're doing there is impacting tons of people out here in Salt Lake. From New Life Church on Wayne State's campus in Detroit, Michigan, thank you, Kensington. From Grumlaw Church in Grand Blanc, Michigan, Thank you. From Detroit Church in the heart of Midtown Detroit, thank you to all our friends, Steve, Greg, and the entire Kensington family. All things new! Thank you so much. We literally couldn't have done it without you. Thank you! Hey, Dave Wilson here, and I want to say thank you, too. On behalf of the Kensington leadership, thank you. You have made all of this possible. We've planted 60 plus churches in the, in the United States, thousands of churches around the world, and countless numbers of people have been impacted for Jesus. And you don't even realize this is because of you, your giving, your sacrifice has made a huge difference. So on behalf of all of our leadership, thank you for what you've done. Let me tell you, it's just the beginning. God is going to do amazing things. Thank you. It is so inspiring for Angela and I to be a part of this with all of you. I mean, we dream of being a part of a church that sees itself as a movement that wants to collect resources so that we can give them away, so that we can collect things so we can send people out, because that's what the early church did. It started in Jerusalem, and then it went to Judea, and then to Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. That's who we are. That's the ancient path. That's what we've always been. Radical serving, radical love, and radical generosity. And so this is our moment today, our shared moment together. And I hope that video pierced your heart like it did mine, to see that someone in Las Vegas who's been living on the streets is walking into church and hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like right there, that was enough, right? That's enough. And to see all the lives that are being transformed through this, it's so exciting. And so, this is what today's about. This is why we do what we do. I have this written so nicely, I want to read it properly. This is what today is all about. Standing and declaring that we are living for a different kingdom with a different king. We are setting apart Christ as Lord. He is our king and he is our Lord. And so today, I just want to challenge each of you to see this as your moment, to see the ancient path leading us to here and forward, and to see that God's prepared you, crafted you, molded you for this moment right now. And so we weren't even here when this started two years ago. 
All right, so I'm new. How many of you have been here less than two years? Can I just see a show of hands? Wow, hands all over the room. So for some of you, this is new to you that we're doing this. And so we have this goal here of $30 million that we wanted to raise over three years to see incredible things for the kingdom of God funded and moving out. This includes a building for our Clinton Township campus where people in Macomb County are going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ right in the parking lot of that Harley Davidson dealership where we're going to see um, Birmingham get a fully funded savings account so when a building becomes available that we need to move fast on, we can move on it. To see projects all around the globe, more churches planted, more partners reached, more lost little girls in Nepal rescued. That's what this is all about. And so I just want to invite you to look at this here. We've got sort of the whole goal here is uh, it starts with a $30 million goal, okay? And first we've got what's called step up. There's three choices today, step up, stay in, or start up. And step up is the idea that there's already been hundreds who have completed their pledges already. They've already, they made a promise, they, they completed it, and they are done, and that's awesome. And maybe it was a, some, I remember reading or hearing about one person who made a pledge and wrote a check the day it started and said, here you go. And so what we want to challenge our step up people, if you're done or nearly done, we want to say, hey, maybe something's changed in your life financially. Maybe God has blessed you beyond what you expected. And you're like, you know what? There's a year left. I want to get back in. Jump back in generously and help us get across the finish line so we can fund the vision that God has given to us. That's step up. Then we have stay in. Uh, this would be Angela and I. God gave us a number as we prayed about it when we first got here. And so we are going to stay into that number and, and pledge to get there by March 2019. But here's what you need to know. We made that promise before we adopted a child and before crazy medical bills came rolling in. So we're like, ah, but you know what? We're trusting God that we're going to get there and we're going to do it because we believe that was from him and not us. So, so even for us to stay in is challenge in his faith, but we're going to do it. And then this is the last part. For many of you who are here, this is startup. If you've been here less than two years and many raise your hands, this is your moment to jump in for the next year and help us get to this number. And again, we believe God gave us this number to fund incredible dreams and vision that we have to advance this kingdom of God around the world. And so here's what the startup looks like. Startup looks like this. We want to make it really simple. And the idea is we're going to hit our goal if 750 households across the Kensington movement, okay, over 14,000 people on a weekend, just to give you scope, if 750 households commit to $50 a month for the next year, 1,300 commit to 100 a month, and 2,000 commit to 250 a month for the next year. All right, so, so the invitation to each one of us, or maybe for you, you're like, you know, I'd just rather do a one-time gift for one of those amounts or more. Wherever you find yourself on that, this is our moment. This is what the kingdom of God has been built upon, radical generosity. And through our generosity, we can show radical service and radical love to the world around us. And so what we're going to do right now is as you, as you think about that and as you pray through that, you were given a card. Did you get one of these when you guys came in? It's like kind of a whole packet. If anyone didn't get one, can you put your hand up? We'll get you a pen and a card. Any hands? Our ushers have them. Uh, if, it looks like most people have them, but if you don't, put your hand up and we'll get you one. So on the back of this part is a place for your information and to check one of those boxes. Here's what we'd love to see happen today because we believe that God's moving in hearts is we'd love to see every person who's here commit to one of these three choices. And if one of those, you can't handle it, it's a little too much, write in what you can do. We'd just love to see all of us do this for the glory of God. Now, if you're a visitor today, you're like, wow, did I pick a day to be here? 
I just want to say you're getting a rare glimpse. This only happens. This has only happened five other times in 28 years. So what you get to see is a picture of the heart of this church. You get to see what matters to us, that we want to sacrifice financially in every other way to see the movement of Jesus advance. So no pressure for you. If you're a first timer and this is not your deal, we want to see you back here for Easter and have a great time with you. But just watch what happens when the people of God are moved by God to give generously to the kingdom of God. So we're going to give you about two to three minutes here of just the band playing to think through and to fill out the card and decide what you want to do. And then I'll come back up and we'll come down and we'll put our cards in these flower boxes up here and we'll do it together as an incredible act of worship. So let's take a couple minutes to pray and think and fill these out. talking in the front row and figuring out how this is going to work, but we trust God because he knew what was coming in our lives. He knew what was happening next. And so we're so excited to, to stay in and to fulfill what he laid on our hearts. But just as we learn today, I think about that ancient path. I think about what's been laid out for us, that now this is our moment, the kingdom of God and the growth of the church and this movement, it's in our hands as well. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to walk that same path that the disciples in the early church walked? Radical generosity, service, and love. And I think, too, that that amount, that number for you, that's that idea that God, you're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for moments just like this. Seeing that he has prepared you to step in. 
And so we'd love to have all of you come up and, and be a part of this with us as an incredible act of faith and worship. And we're excited to see what God does. Don't you want to see more churches planted? Don't you want to see more videos like that where people are reaching the lost? I want to see more happen. I want our lifetime to be a time where the kingdom of God and and his church just explodes across the globe. There are more people right now suffering for Jesus than at any other time in human history. And we have a global partner in Afghanistan where we're working with them to smuggle Bibles in to people who, when they get caught with one, they can die. There's so much at stake right now, and we could be a part of it. We may never get to Afghanistan to be part of that, but we can buy the Bibles that are getting in. That's how God allows us to be part of his incredible, powerful kingdom, radical generosity for a radical God who radically loved us enough to give us new life in him. So will you all stand up with me as we sing this song, Yes and Amen. And as God moves you, come down, let's drop our cards in these boxes and let's sing out together. Let's go. sing together. Oh, faithful you are, and faithful forever you Faithful you are. All your promises, and all your promises, and yes and amen. All your promises, a yes and amen. Sing it again. Faithful you are. Faithful forever you be. Faithful you are. All your promises, a yes and Yes and amen. Oh, Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. Draw me out of darkness, and you have filled me with peace. Giver of mercy, oh, my help in times of need. And I can't help but sing. Faithful. Faithful. 
faithful to us, isn't he? I mean, I think of my life, I think of my family, the faithfulness of God is just beyond words, beyond understanding. And he's been so faithful to this place, to Kensington, the dream of a couple of 30-somethings that wanted to see church done differently in a way that reaches people. And now here we are, part of a global movement that's literally going to the ends of the earth. Thank you for being involved in this. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for stepping into this moment with conviction and passion and purpose, knowing that God has created you for moments like this. Now, for some of you, you just found out about this today and you're like, wow, I need a little time to process and work through stuff. You can bring those cards in next week. You can do it online. Uh, Please pray and think more about it. But we are so excited to see what God's going to do through these kinds of moments all around the world. Lives were saved because of what happened in here today. People are going to come to Christ because of what happened in here today. Churches will be planted because of what happened in here today. And the world will be reached because of what just happened. If God stirred something in your heart, you want to pray with someone about it, our prayer team will be down here. Please don't hesitate to do that. Go to Starting Point in the lobby if you have questions about who we are as a church and want to get connected. Thank you so much for coming today and worshiping with us. Have an incredible day. See you later.